Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Here is the one, the only, and for that I'm very thankful, Dr. History, good morning. Good morning. There's probably a lot of people that are glad there's only a one and only. It, they say the same about me. <laughs> yes. How you been? Doing great. How's Doing the wife? Good. Doing How's good. Wife? Doing, Doing pretty good. Good, yep. good. Yep. And uh, you had an excellent show last week. That was a really good program. Now, I'm always a little inquisitive. What area of the old west are we going to jump into this week? Okay, I'm going to just say a name, and you tell me what comes to mind. Okay. Christopher Houston Carson. Uh, well, uh, Kit Carson was his name. Yes. And uh, a lot of us, when we were growing up, if you were an old fogey like me, remember the Saturday morning show, the Kit Carson show. Kit Carson, that's yep. the man. Yep. So, you know, he actually was one of the most popular figures of the Wild West, and unfortunately, sometimes one of the more controversial. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, his exploits as a mountain man, as a guide and scout for the great explorers, and for the immigrants and as an Indian fighter, and as a war hero. Well, keep going. They were a source of a lot of tales, and I think some of them were true, some of them not so true. But his life was actually somewhat of a contradiction, because he, he actually loved the Indian way of life, and it, but unfortunately, he did a lot to destroy it, too. Really? Yeah. But his courage, his endurance, his intelligence were tested time after time, and in the old or the new frontier, whatever you want to call it. But add to that the fact that he was actually a quiet, soft-spoken, kind of an unassuming, small man they they say in stature now i heard uh, pardon my interruption but i heard uh, some sources you know t sometimes television well many times television doesn't portray the old western uh, heroes if you will in the proper light i heard the guy was only about five foot seven well, and when they say small in stature back then, 5'7 would have been probably, yeah, small. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, he was actually the 11th child in their family. Wow, that's why he was so doggone small. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get any food. <laughs> but his dad was killed at, when he was only 8 years old. But he was born on Christmas Eve, 1809, in Kentucky. He was a small baby, they say. His father decided that his name, Christopher Houston Carson, was too heavy a burden for such a tiny little kid. And so so he shortened it to Kit. Yeah. And so it was a nickname that he carried, of course, for the rest of his life. Now, he was the latest addition to a Scots family that had long been on the move to the West. From Scotland, they moved to Ireland. From there, they moved to Pennsylvania. From there, to the Carolinas. Oh, my. And then, eventually, to Kentucky. Were they farmers? Well, I... You know, it really doesn't say yeah. uh, what they actually did. But when he was only one and a half years old, his family again moved west, this time to Missouri, which this was the frontier jumping off place. You know, that was the gateway to the Wild West. It was the crossroads that the Plains Indians, of course, met with the, the increasing flood of immigrants and not in a good way. They were not happy to see this yeah. line basically moving west. Yeah. So anyway, uh, in this place, this is where Kit grew up just as the west was opened. And he sometimes experienced the dangers of Indian attacks because they were still happening right there. But sometimes listening to the stories of the mountain men and told of grizzly bears and beavers and the stories of the wild tribes and the southwestern deserts and, of course, the Rocky Mountains. And more than likely, they figured that his family and Daniel's Boone's family 
were probably friends. No kidding. That lived in the same area. Yep. The Carsons and the Boons. And the Boons. They and had supper together. They probably did. And they and he probably met Jim Bridger. Really? Because, again, this was the jumping off place yeah. for heading west. Yeah. So probably he met some of these guys. But, you know, it's no wonder that when he was apprenticed at the age of 15 to a saddle maker, he found this extremely boring. Mm-hmm. So in 1826, at the ripe old age of 17, he answered the call of the West and sneaked away to join a trading party headed for Santa Fe and thus began the adventures of the famous Kit Carson. I can see the beginning (laughs) credits of the show now. It's coming. So how about a break? Oh, good for you. Thank you. Hey, don't forget Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport, Zach and the rest of the crew. Hey, I can't stress enough, upgrade your windows with Western Windows. Winter is coming and you don't want those cold drafts. So check it out with Zach today. And they can also help find a contractor and send over a contractor to install the job. So call them today stop in super nice people with all your lumber packages your windows etc burley is blessed to have them minicasha sales 1321 east main street in burley right across from the airport and they bring you dr history before we send it back to dr history i also want to remind everybody about what's going on at four paws hey don't forget your dog this weekend ken you got to take it over to the great big howl oween the howl Halloween Four Paws Annual Party and Pet Parade for Halloween. It's going to be this Saturday, October 29th, parade judging at 1 p.m. Free pictures, follow the parade. They've got pet costumes on sale right now at discounted prices. They're 25% off. All of this at Four Paws Bed and Bath. 370 West, 200 South of Rupert. Number to call for the Halloween. 438-4444. And now, back to Dr. History and Kit Carson's trek into New Mexico. All right. Before I leave, when I get through with this, I've got a picture I want to show you of Kit Carson. Okay. All right? All right. So, Kit joined in with a veteran trapper and explorer by the name of Ewing Young. Now, I've never heard of him, but he kind of became his tutor in the ways of the mountain man. He worked as a teamster driving freight to El Paso. He worked as an interpreter for a trade caravan to Chihuahua, Mexico. And in 1829, he joined his first trapping party for the, uh, for the next 15 years. He wandered all over the West as a hunter, a trapper, from Mexico clear up to where we're at, Zeb, up here to the Snake River. Really? He actually came into this area and from the mississippi to california so he covered a lot of ground well i guess but during that time he absorbed everything he could about the animals the indians and the best mountain trails these the extensive knowledge and experience he gained during these years was to make him an invaluable asset to anybody heading west so uh and we've talked about scouts before. They have almost like a photographic memory of the mountains and the trees and the paths and, and how to guide. So yeah. anyway, so here he is at age 31. It's 1842. And he's at the rendezvous. And he actually fought and won a deadly duel on horseback with another trapper. Really? <laughs> you know, those rendezvous got to be, uh, how would we say, a little wild sometimes? A little What was the deadly duel? What did they do? I, it doesn't say, but it says it was on horseback. So I'm assuming... Were they charge into each other? I, I don't know. Maybe they just started shooting at each other. Oh, boy. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, he met the first of his two Indian wives there, an Arapaho woman who died shortly after their second daughter died. 
Now, his second wife was a Cheyenne, but she left him probably because she did not want to be a stepmother to his two Arapaho kids. I see. And, I, you know, you can kind of see that uh, even today. Absolutely. So, but both tribes soon after became uh, the enemies of the white settlers, but they always kept a deep respect for Kit Carson. In their eyes... Kit was different from the other whites. He took the time to learn Indian languages, including Cheyenne and Ute. He grew to understand and appreciate their customs and their beliefs. They respected him because he proved himself as a warrior in a lot of different battles, sometimes fighting alongside them, but sometimes against them. Yeah. But he was truly respected. And he was a little guy. He was a little guy, but in battle, he almost always prevailed, even against overwhelming odds, as he they cheated. saw it. Yeah. Well, they, they figured the Indians, you know, they were uh, superstitious. They thought that the spirits favored him with strong medicine. Really? And you don't unconvince them if, if that's what you know they think that's right anyway more than once the mere knowledge that kit carson was ready to join the other side was enough to prevent conflict in 1851 carson was leading a small group of provision laden wagons from st louis to taos new mexico Mm -hmm. now in southwestern kansas near the colorado border they met a large group of cheyenne Uh now i mentioned that one of his wives was cheyenne yeah okay now the cheyenne camped peacefully with the teamsters but carson overheard them speaking among themselves about their plans to kill the white men and take their goods. Uh-oh. Okay, so he's listening in the conversation. Yeah. He's and, eavesdropping. Well, and of course, he understood their words, and which they didn't think he anybody would understand oh, their, their Indian language. I see. So Kit jumped up, grabbed his rifle, and uh, pointed at the Indians and just started yelling and cussing and swear uh, whatever to get their attention. Kind of like you do when you come in here. <laughs> when sometimes. I walk in here, yeah. And he ordered them out of the camp. Well, one of the one of the older warriors recognized him and told the rest that this was the daredevil Kit Carson. The Cheyenne immediately packed up and rode away you, without they a fight. Did? Without a fight. Really? Because <laughs> one th- little bitty guy. This was the amazing Kit. Carson. Oh my! <laughs> you don't mess with Kit Carson. Nope. So anyway, Kit served as a guide for Lieutenant John C. Fremont, the explorer and surveyor who followed the route of the Lewis and Clark expedition and mapped it for the Army. For four years, starting in 1842, Carson scouted for Fremont on three expeditions that took them to the wildest country in the Wild West, and the last of which ended up in taking uh, when we took over California. For yeah. the Union. Yeah. That was one of the, his contributions. So, anyway, of all the places he'd been in the West, the one that most touched his heart was Taos, New Mexico. He liked that area. He did. Now, I've never been there, and I know I think you have. Yeah, I think right there they established the Kit Carson National Park. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a park right there. Okay. Anyway, he made it his permanent home and started a ranch uh, with an old comrade of the trap lines, a guy by the name of Lucian Maxwell, which, again, I've never heard of this guy. But Me neither. He also took to the Catholic faith and married in to it, choosing as his third wife a woman by the name of Josefa Charamillo. What happened to wife number two? She left with uh, uh, out saying goodbye. Oh, she did? Yeah, she didn't want to take care it of his two. It was one of those gather the TP and gone? Yeah, she didn't want to mess with her his two kids from the first oh, so wife. So the first wife died. Right. Second wife ran away. Yeah. So and now, we're now, number, now we're on number three. Number three, yep. Hmm. Uh, anyway, she was the daughter of a prominent Taos family. Anyway, Carson really could never settle down for long. You know, a lot of these guys were that way. Yeah. 
Uh, and several times he took off on expeditions with trips with Fremont, with others. Uh, in late 1853, he jumped at the opportunity to become the U.S. Indian agent for northern New Mexico. Really? Now, this was a job that again sent him wandering over a large territory and brought him into contact with a number of tribes. But Carson had great respect for the people he'd once fought, and he served successfully until 1861. The Indians liked him because he was fair and honest and was quick to defend their interests. Now, we've talked before, Zeb, about Indian agents that were would take the food and the clothing and the blankets and sell them, so to speak, on the black market. Well, you know, you're talking about 1861 in New Mexico, and even as late as the 1870s into the 1880s, they were absolutely ridiculous the way they treated the apaches etc in arizona right so the fact that he treated them with respect he was good to them uh so they respected him you know but uh which was not always the case with indian agents absolutely but with the outbreak of the civil war in 1861 carson resigned to became a colonel in the union army and took command of the first new mexico volunteer infantry now he served primarily in New Mexico, so he never did really go into the eastern part of the where the battles were. Did they see any battle? They did. Oh. Uh, they had a, a battle called the Battle of Valverde, and I was going to look that up, and I forgot, so I'm not sure. I have heard about that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, later he detached to organize what they called the 1st New Mexico Cavalry in Albuquerque, and he saw most of the action as he actually fought the hostile Indian tribes who were exploiting the white man's preoccupation with the war in the east so they saw this as an opportunity uh-huh. the indians to you know to fight the whites how much did the indians really know that was going on politically you know that's a great question but somehow they must have known that there was a battle going on between the whites themselves yeah so they took advantage of that but with his fort stanton garrison of five mounted troops Carson fought the Kiowa, the Comanche, the Arapaho, the Apache, and the Navajo, and he rose to the rank of what they call a Brevet Brigadier General. Wow. And I'm not sure how that That's ranks. the guy with all the fluff oh, on his shoulders. Okay. Yeah. So, but his fame as an Indian fighter stems mostly from his time with the Union Army. I'll be darned. So... But Carson didn't enjoy his campaigns against the Indians. Uh, military campaigns were the si- same kind of a free-for-all fight in which he gloried as a young man. They were deadly serious business in which the objective was to destroy the enemy. He sympathized with the Indians, but he was forced by his sense of duty to try to do his job well. And he succeeded in his summer of 1863 they had a campaign against the Navajo. Mm-hmm. He had his 700 troops against a tribe of 8,000 or more. Sounds to 8, me like somebody didn't count heads. Yeah. But they effectively, and I hate to say this, they effectively destroyed them as a free people. You're kidding. Always. You know, 700 against 8,000? Yeah, of course, the I, firepower. Right. Yeah, yeah. And cannons and yeah. the, the guns they had. But, yeah. you know, and again, to me, that's a sad note. Sad. But it is. Anyway, sick and weary, Carson resigned his commission shortly after the war and settled in a place called Boggsville, Colorado. Heard of that? Not Bogsville. Okay. I don't think it's your major metropolis. <laughs> Probably. But, it, you know, he and his wife were uh, kind of in bad health. And he accompanied a group now, of... this is wife number three. Wife number three. From Taos. Uh-huh. But he accompanied a group of Ute Indians to Washington to assist them in negotiations. You remember, he, he knows the language. Oh, absolutely. So... He sought the help of physicians in several eastern cities, but it did no no good. His dear wife, Josepha, died in childbirth 
in April of 1868. Now, uh, wait a minute. How old was he then? Um, I thought uh, you said he was born in like 1809 yeah, or something. So, yeah, he's about in his 50s right okay. now. All yeah. right. So, anyway, uh, a, a Kit wrote out his will, and shortly afterward, he also died. Really? Uh, both were buried in a small graveyard near their favorite place in Taos, New Mexico. Yep, I remember that. I went by to see that. Okay. Years ago, on a trip, I went by there. Okay. Yep. But Kit Carson was a physical, practical person. Uh, it says that he was not an intellectual, which, to me, that's uh, tells me that he wasn't a book-read individual. Yeah, but, but those are the elitists talking like that. He probably had more common sense than they did. Okay, and, and that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. He knew the he knew the outdoors. He knew how yeah, to scout. Absolutely. But he he was illiterate. He could sign his name only with effort. Uh, in his heart, he longed to live in the wild places. Uh, they were his books, the, the outdoors. That's yeah, but when you say someone is illiterate through history, I mean, look what he did to help the United States Army. Look what he did to help during the Civil right. War. I mean, that's not an illiterate right. man. And, you know, here's a, a case where a man that I, I wish, wish that he could have written. And he had a TV show. <laughs> and he had a TV show. <laughs> but, you know, uh, anyway, uh, and, you know, those who followed uh, him, he was kind of the epitome of what a man could become in the Wild West, a man of maturity. And here's the kicker. It says wisdom. Yeah. So sometimes wisdom is better than intellectual. Well, look at you. I, yeah. I, <laughs> no, that's not. <laughs> anyway, you know, he was a man made for the frontier. Absolutely. No doubt. Absolutely. I mean, he was the master scholar of the West, uh, of his mountains and rivers and his people, and he marked his lessons well for those of us who came after him. He, yep. he uh, paved the way. He the helped ad- us. You the know. Adventures of Kit Carson. Yeah. But, you know, the scouts, I'm, I'm going to do a thing on the scouts. They were amazing. I mean, they could trail almost anybody, anything, and tell what kind of horses, if they were mules. In fact, one little thing, uh, they could watch a bird called the bird, uh, I think it's called the mud dauber. The mud dauber? Mud dauber. I think that's, I'm guessing. Okay. But if they would watch this bird, and if it was flying and it had mud in its beak, it was coming away from water. If it had nothing in its beak, it was going towards water. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, my eyes are such that I would not even be sure what kind of bird it was. When you came in here, you must have part mud dauber in you because you went straight to the refrigerator and got a little water. Yes, you saw that. <laughs> and, and actually, uh, Mustangs, wild horses, yeah. if they were kind of spread out grazing, they had come from water. If they were in single file, they were going to water. Whoa. So those are just a couple of the little there things that, that scouts knew. I mean, and so many more things. But anyway. See, we learned so much from having you on this program. I would like to hope. <laughs> now we know that Dr. Muddauber will <laughs> have more in future broadcasts. Yeah, and I think most of it's true, I think. Yeah. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.